Hello and welcome to Habemus Papam, episode 144, John the 19th. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. Hey everyone, welcome back. If you remember, our Pope from last week was Benedict VIII, who was a member of the Tuscolani family, and they have a long and convoluted role in our story for many episodes now. So again, I'm going to include in the description of this podcast a link to their family tree. Now today's Pope is also from that family. He's Benedict VIII's younger brother, Romanus. While Benedict was Pope, Romanus was a duke in Rome in charge of some of the secular authority, and on Benedict's death, Romanus secured his own election as Pope even though he was a layman, probably using money and definitely using his family's power as virtual dictators of Rome. So on April 19th, 1024, Romanus was quote-unquote elected pope and took the name John the 19th. Now in the background of all this, there's a growing reform movement in the church, and more and more voices are being added to those who are truly ashamed of how the papacy has been used by these powerful families over the last century. We have this great quote about Pope John the 19th from the chronicler Raoul Glaber. Raoul Glaber, I think that's how you pronounce his name. And he writes, Roman insolence has invented this silly method of covering their guile. They change the name of the man whom their whim has made pontiff and call him after some great pope so that any want of merit in their candidate may be covered by the glory of his name. Now, luckily for us, once he was Pope, John the 19th wasn't particularly scandalous. In fact, he seems to have done a a decent job. One saint, St. William of Dijon, wrote him a letter denouncing him for not doing enough to clean up the church, and his response was to thank him for his correction and his instruction. Now, with his reign, we have only a couple big events to talk about besides the normal small things like disputes between a diocese in France and liturgical notes, which we can kind of skip over. But the first is that right at the beginning of his time as Pope, in uh, July, July 1st of 1024, St. Henry II, the Holy Roman Emperor, died. He had no children, so his wife, St. Cunegunda, served as regent while the nobles of Germany came to elect a new king. And there were two candidates. Both that happened were named Conrad. The winner was Conrad II, a great-great-grandson of the Emperor Otto I. Conrad, of course, was invited by Pope John to be crowned Holy Roman Emperor, which happened in the spring of 1027. He was crowned on Easter Sunday, March 26, 1027, at St. Peter's Basilica, and it was truly a sight to behold. Not only were all the great archbishops and clerics from Germany present, but so was the great King Knut the Great, King of England, Denmark, and Norway, who was making a pilgrimage to Rome at the same time. After his coronation, Conrad then moved south and tried to settle the disputes in southern Italy between the Saracens, the Greeks, and the Normans, which we started talking about last week. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to completely defeat the Byzantines, who were still trying to retake southern Italy because of a dispute back in Germany, which demanded his attention, so he had to pull out too too early. Speaking of the Byzantines, they also make an appearance in our story for the first time in a while. Apparently, the Patriarch of Constantinople, who had called himself ecumenical or, or the universal patriarch for centuries now, was feeling a little guilty of that this title they had taken upon themselves rather than receive it from Rome. The Byzantine emperor, a guy named Basil II, apparently sent a delegation to Rome to try and effect bribe the pope into proclaiming the patriarch of Constantinople the ecumenical patriarch. Now, only one chronicler has this story in his chronicle, and he's not a fan of John the 19th, so we have to take it with a little grain of salt. But the story goes that John was inclined to accept the offer 
because he was a little worldly and, and didn't mind the bribe until word got out. And then there was this big protest, so he had to deny it. But there also seems to be an attempt by the Pope, regardless of the veracity of this story, to bring about some sort of reconciliation with the East, especially as the Byzantines are gaining power in southern Italy. There was a recognition of a Greek archbishop in Capua in southern Italy rather than a Latin alternative, for an example, as a sign of goodwill between the Greeks and the Romans. Okay, the last thing we have to talk about is this strange controversy over a guy named St. Marshall, who was the bishop in a town in southern France in the 3rd century, apparently sent by St. Fabian the Pope to evangelize the Gauls. The people in southern France were calling him an apostle, saying that he was actually baptized by St. Peter, as the legend at the time went, and he was one of the 72 that Jesus sent out in pairs in the gospel, and that, and that since he evangelized them, that he should really be called an apostle, and he should get a mass like the apostles do. And some others complained that, no, he wasn't an apostle, because there were only the 12 apostles, but, and not everyone can, can be an apostle. So the dispute went to the Pope, who said that, sure, there were the 12, but St. Paul calls Barnabas and himself apostles, even though they weren't of the 12. So maybe in this case, it would be okay to call him an apostle. Finally, like his brother, John the 19th was a great supporter of the reforming abbey of Cluny. And he confirmed in the presence of the emperor Conrad II, all the abbey's privileges, and even tried to get St. Odilio of Cluny to be made a bishop, but the holy abbot refused. John spurred on the reforming movement of other monasteries in Italy as well, all of which will bear fruit soon. I promise this is all going to come to fruition soon. Now, we aren't sure why, but on October 20th, 1032, John the 19th died. We don't know where he was buried, and he was succeeded by another member of the Tusculum family, John and Benedict's nephew, Theophylact, who will take the name Benedict the Ninth. And boy, is his papacy going to be a doozy. But we will wait to talk about that for next time. Thanks for listening to Abemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com or find us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you and God bless you. <laughs>